0: The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at ww.christbaptistmokani.com. First John chapter two from verse 7. And this morning I want us to look at the assurance of God's light. The assurance of God's light. Now, welcome if this is your first time here at CBC and if it's your first time in 1st John. You see, we're studying 1st John to look at the marks of Christian assurance. A lot of guys in the past have presented this book as tests, the tests of our salvation. But whether you want to call it a test or a mark or an evidence, whichever you prefer, But for me, these are marks of assurance. They are truths that reveal to me what God's Word says about our salvation. And when John wrote this letter, he was writing it to a church that had false teachers, tempting them, challenging them of new truths. So John writes to give them an assurance. To know what is the truth that is in God's word. And also what is the truth of Jesus Christ and his work of salvation. One author said that that John is good at simplifying the Christian life. You see when we read 1 John, he basically says to know Jesus, obey God and love others. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian life, to know Jesus, to obey God, and to love others. Now, for context, before I read our passage this morning, last time we were in 1 John, from verse 2 through 6, we learned about our love for God. That if we love Him, we will obey Him. But coming to verse 7 through 11... John now addresses not just our love for God and God's love for us, but our love for others. Because that is also an evidence of our salvation. John begins, and we'll read it in a moment, John begins by by giving an affirmation of his love to fellow believers. He says, Beloved. Some translations might say, those whom I love. So that is a a mark of our salvation. If you are saved, then you love fellow brothers and sisters. I'll go a step further. If you are saved, then you will love your enemy. Isn't that what Jesus challenged us to? So John calls them, dear friends or beloved which is a term of endearment, a term of heartfelt love and concern. So love isn't just a term we loosely use or we shouldn't. Because if we love someone, we're truly concerned for them. Therefore, John narrows his focus to one specific command. And the command we'll see this morning is to love. That is a Christian obligation. If you are a believer, then you are commanded to love. In fact, a lot of people will have, you know, that hope, peace, and love signs throughout their homes. Quote uh, 1 Corinthians 13, Love is patient, love is kind. But what's the emphasis? What's the point Paul makes? Paul makes the point that love is elevated above all these things. That there's an end to our hope. But is there an end to love? Love continues throughout eternity. Therefore love is elevated above everything else in Scripture. So let's read together. To have a better understanding of where John wants to take us this morning. From verse 7 it says, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you. Which is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing away. And the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has already blinded his eyes. See, John reminds us that love is the supreme commandment. It's the supreme test of our salvation. And this light refers to eternal life. And this darkness refers to eternal death. In fact, verse 10 says, the one who loves his brother abides in the light. That's the key verse here. You love your fellow brothers and sisters. Then have the assurance. You are in the light. And God is in the light. Because God is light. So this morning. We're looking at love. As an old commandment. As a new commandment. And we'll be dealing with love. As the Christian's way of life. That's the assurance of God's light. That's the assurance of God's light. So firstly, verse 7, I'll read it again. John says, Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. And the old commandment is the word that you have heard. See, from the outset of our, from, of our Christian life, of the Christian life of those who read um, John's words, We are taught the importance of love, isn't it? From the beginning. John 3.16. Some of us learned it in kindergarten. Grade 1 and grade 2. We learned John 3.16. What does it mean? What does it refer to? Love. Love. See. John is not telling them a new truth. Remember the Gnostics... The false leaders who came into the church were bringing new truths, right? They were saying that, no, no, Jesus was just a man. Christ was the spirit that possessed the man Jesus. They were the ones coming into the church and saying, no, no, you don't have to trust in Jesus as your way of salvation. You, you have to believe in a superior knowledge. John says, I'm not writing anything new, but something that's old, something you have heard. And that is to love. You see, when we are born again, at the beginning, the love of God, according to Romans 5 verse 5, is poured within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So when do we experience this love? According to Paul, it's right at the beginning And because of this love, Galatians 5.22 says that we are enabled to bear the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. So if you are a Christian and you say, but I cannot love. See the problem we have? You can't be a Christian and say, I cannot love. Because you have the love of God from the beginning. Who's been poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit. Let's take the author, for example, right? John. John wasn't always known as the Apostle of Love. This tenderness we have about John, this affection that he has to express others as beloved. John wasn't always like this. If we look at John's life through the Gospels, Jesus called him a son of thunder. Like, watch out for this guy. He is wild. He is loud. He and his brother, known as sons of thunder. In fact, Scripture tells us this same John who writes 1 John is the, is the man who wanted to call down fire from heaven to incarcerate an entire village because the people didn't want to comply with Jesus. Same guy who now says, Beloved. So John, by nature, wasn't a tender-hearted man. But it's the work of God in his life that made him experience this true love. that, That enabled him to share this love. And so he becomes known as the Apostle of Love quite a turnaround right it's very comforting and so he introduces this subject to his people saying beloved I'm writing I'm not writing a new commandment but an old one I'm not inventing something new in fact one commentator said God does not have to give a new believer a long lecture about love I'll say it again. God does not have to give a new believer a long lecture about love because 1st Thessalonians 4 verse 9 rightly says concerning brotherly love you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. It's almost as if they are saying it becomes instinct right when we are born again it should be instinct to love one another perhaps we can go way back into the Old Testament one aspect of this commandment being an old commandment is according to Leviticus 19 verse 18 the Lord says you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall la- love your neighbor as yourself I am the Lord it's an old commandment it's given to the people in the beginning another aspect of it being old we could say but it's you know it was first written in the old covenant In fact, Jesus quotes the Old Testament with regards to how important it is to love one another. In Mark 12, 28, when the scribe comes to Jesus and he asks Him, What is the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? To love God and to love your neighbor. To love God and to love your neighbor. But in addition to this, Jesus teaches... That you are to love your enemy. In Matthew chapter 5 we read, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I have, I've been introduced to, to Christians when visiting various churches. And it's funny how I sometimes meet a character who's introduced as, you know, Here's Peter. Um... He's rather a hard man, but we love him. Now when I look at these words, don't these words tell us that we should be described as, this is Peter, a loving man. Because he's experienced the love of God, he's sharing the love of God. No, instead I've heard leaders, Christian leaders, church leaders, introduce me to people and say, just excuse him, he's rather hard. Harsh. Where's the change? Like, is the love of God not then in you? Don't make excuses for disobeying the old commandment to love. What's this old commandment? John says, You have heard since the beginning. It's the first thing that he told them is to love. This is the message. It was the command to believe in God's Son. So to John's readers, it appears that the love to command was presented alongside the gospel. When John first went to these to these believers and preached to them and taught to them, he was teaching them that the gospel and love go hand in hand. That without love, there's no gospel. he says you have heard since the beginning you were there in 1st John chapter 3 verse 11 he says this for this is the message which, which you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another it's not a new message you have heard this so let me ask you a question if you want to know How God's light is piercing through you. Look at how how you love those around you. If you want to know how the light of God is reflecting through you, piercing through you, then you have to look at how you are loving those around you. How you speak to them. How you address them. How you serve them your availability to them. If that's absent, my question is, how's the light of God coming through you then? It's waiting, right? But point number two says, love is also a new commandment. Love is also a new commandment. Verse 8, at the same time, it's a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in Him, who's that? Jesus and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. I love this. Why is it new if it's old? I'll give you a clue. John 13 verse 34. If we compare this command with what Jesus taught the disciples in John 13... Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Is that new? Where did we hear that for the first time? Leviticus 19, 18. Is that new? The verse continues, Even as I have loved you, That you also love one another. Oh, that's new. That's new. They have seen and experienced Jesus love them. They've tasted it. That's how John starts the gospel. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, which we touched with our hands. Jesus That love. Again, John 15 verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. That's the emphasis. The commandment is not new. The commandment to love has been there since the old covenant. But now Jesus is saying you ought to love as I love you. And you've seen that, you've tasted that, you have experienced that. So, what's the qualifier? Jesus, what's the qualifier Jesus adds to Leviticus 19? As I have loved you. And what was his example? Scripture tells us that Jesus emptied Himself. That Jesus entered himself, giving himself to the will of God, trusting in the Holy Spirit to enable him. I mean, he is God. Still, God takes the form of one of his servants. He's born a baby, grows as a young man, remains in stature lives a sinless life. His whole life. Just imagine how jealous his brothers and sisters were, right? No backchamp. How does he do that? That is his love. So we can say that the commandment of love is new because Jesus personified it. Jesus brought it in a new way. Jesus raised love to a higher standard for the church when He commanded His disciples to imitate His love. He says, this is the way I love. Therefore, I command you to love the way I love you. Not any other way, but the way I love. I mean, never has the world seen such perfect love until Christ appeared. A perfect love. So Jesus displays this for us. Perhaps John 13 verse 1 is the best example for this. It was the the feast of the Passover was coming and Jesus is in the upper room. And we read, now before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. How should we understand that? What does that mean? He loved them to the end. To the end of His life? To the end of their life? No. When we interpret this, it simply says He loved them to perfection. He loved them to perfection. Listen, what does Romans 5 verse 5 tell us? Does it tell us that God's love for us grows? Or that God's love for us is already perfected? It's already perfected. His love for us doesn't get any bigger or smaller. It's already perfect. And so Jesus, in the upper room, begins to reveal once again just what this love is. How it looks, how it serves. I mean, didn't He wash the feet? So, we can say that there are four ways in which this commandment to love is new. First, it was was new in the emphasis to how Jesus gave it. Jesus brought the command of Deuteronomy 6 and the command of Leviticus 19 together And declared it that the whole teaching of the law and the prophets hung upon these two commands To love the Lord your God And thy neighbor One command He married them Secondly It's new in the quality in how Jesus gave it. Jesus said to His disciples to love them as He had loved them. And how did Jesus love? With a selfless love, with a sacrificing love, even unto death. Thirdly, this command is new in the extent to how Jesus gave it. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? What was the point? The point is that the neighbor, the neighbor we must love, is anyone who needs our compassion, who needs our help. Irrespective of race, rank, or if they're your enemy. That is who you are to love. Finally, This love, or this commandment to love, is new because of the church's appreciation of it. We are taught this love by the Savior Himself.
1: So it is an old
0: commandment. But it's also a new commandment in how it has been personified through Christ. Now we as the church have the responsibility to reflect this love, to share this love, to reach out with this love. Therefore, I come to our final point this morning. Love as a new way of life. From verse 9 we read the following. Whoever says that he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is still in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. See, what John has taught us this far is that being in the light means fellowship with both God and fellow believers. That's what it means to be in the light. It's a condition that's made possible by the nature of God who is light. So if you hate your brother, no matter what you profess, you are in darkness. Listen, if you hate someone because they look different to you, you say, but I'm a, I'm a believer. By scripture, according to scripture, you are not a believer. You're not. It says that we love one another. In fact, that's the command to love as Jesus loved. Who did Jesus love? I'll come to it in a moment. But John isn't saying that you may be a real Christian who has fallen into darkness. He said if you hate your brother you are in the darkness until now. So everything you've done beforehand in which you thought you were a Christian it was just an act. It's just a performance. You might be deceived and have believed you're a believer. But John says In this hate, you cannot be in the light. Yet we often see people professing the name of Christ, and they show hatred to those around them. You cannot have the light or the Holy Spirit or the love of God dwelling in you while you hate someone. You might say, but not all our brothers in Christ are lovable. Sure. We all know some who have, crossed, who have crossed us, who have criticized us. Some who have done us harm. Others by nature, we just tend to dislike for no apparent reason. There's an old rhyme that says, I do not like thee, Dr. Fell. The reason why, I cannot tell. But this I know, I know full well, I do not like the Dr. Fell. <laughs> Isn't that true? You just meet someone, I don't like this guy. Interesting. I can think of two reasons for this. One, we dislike some people because they might be know-it-alls, right? No matter how fine a sermon I preach, they'll find something to criticize. No matter how many people applaud you for your work, they will pick it to pieces with the smug satisfaction. I don't like that guy. Does that all the time. Second reason, which is more troubling, I think, is we dislike those and we don't have a reason. Just dislike someone. I have no reason. I just don't like them. Nonetheless, did Jesus ever allow preference or prejudice to make a difference in his heart? Did it ever stop him, his, his human feelings or whatever? Did it ever motivate him or stop him from loving someone? Did Jesus love Pilate? Pilate. Bet you Jesus loved Pilate just as much as he loved Peter. That Jesus would have saved Caiaphas as gladly as he saved Nicodemus. But we tend, no, but look at Jesus, he's picking choosing. This is what John remembered about Christ's love. This love means to love unconditionally and sacrificially. Therefore, isn't it in John's gospel that we read for God so loved the world right that he gave his only son John saw the way Christ loves he experienced the way Christ loved and loves therefore when John writes he says the following Verse 10 Whoever loves his brother, whoever loves, it's present tense, right? It means this is an ongoing thing. It's a lifestyle. It's not an emotion, it's an action by choice. You choose to love, you choose to get up in the morning. And love your spouse you choose to get up and love your children you choose to get up and love your neighbor it's an action I don't feel like loving my enemy you don't have to feel like it you just have to do it that's the grace I suppose yet the one who loves his brother, abides in the light. John says there is no cause for stumbling. you know what it means to to stumble? Scripture says when we we stumble it's a way of expressing sin against others or entrapping others to sin. John is saying if you love people you are not going to stumble, into sins against them. You're not going to violate them because you love them. So the contrast is pretty clear. John says, if you're a true Christian, you're going to love people. You're not going to sin against them. Especially not as a pattern of life. And so there's a new commandment to love added to the old commandment to love. And this is the new way of life. To love in these ways. There's no excuse. Can you hate your enemy? No. The Bible says, God's word says, love thine enemy. Pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you. So John closes in verse 11. And he makes the comment of what it's like without love. In verse 11 he says, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. He walks, in other words, he lives a lifestyle in the darkness. He doesn't know where he goes because his eyes are blinded by the darkness. That's exactly the way it is with those outside the kingdom. You know certain people just because of their hate isn't it It's sad that that there are such people we know just filled with so much hate whether it's against a specific group of people against loved ones but there are people filled with hate man and they are sadly known only by that hate they don't walk in the light they don't have any spiritual life and you know where this person is going This person is stumbling. He doesn't even know where he's going. But scripture says it's clear. This person is on their way to judgment. So is it loving for us to leave the unloving on their dark trial, on the way to judgment? Is that loving? Is it loving to leave the unsaved? That's probably the worst form of hatred. To not reach out to those who don't know love. The person who lives for himself will always be indifferent to others. And John says that they don't know where they are going. They do not practice biblical love. They do not have the evidence or assurance to love. I am not saying that as Christians we can love perfectly. I am saying our Savior loves perfectly. Amen? If we could love perfectly, and we don't, we would be in serious trouble. But we can't love perfectly. Our flesh gets in the way. Our temptations get in the way. Our choices get in the way. But we are loved by a Savior who loves perfectly. And in this perfect love, we are growing in our love towards others. We're growing in our love towards our enemies. If you are not growing in that love, the first thing, the first thing is to look at whether... God truly loves you. Don't question, what am I doing wrong? Question, where am I? Am I in the Savior's hand? Or am I a lost sheep? That's how severe and serious it is, friends. We can't play around thinking we're saved. Or fooling ourselves, trying to suppress our convictions and say, no, 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 it's fine. Jesus loves, grace abounds. Right, the, the call is to work out our salvation. To love as Christ has loved. So our love for others is a command. It's not a warm, gushy feeling. Friends, if, if you are only going to be tempted to feel good and love someone, then you're not obeying the command. The command says no matter how you feel, You ought to love the Lord your God. You ought to love yourself. You ought to love thy neighbor. You ought to love thine enemy. That's the command. And that's the assurance. If we love, it's because we were first loved. 1 John 4. It's because we first experienced this love. And this love for us is perfect. So be comforted in that. Be comforted to to look to Christ. When you are tempted and say, but my love fails. My love for my spouse fails. My love for my neighbor fails. I try, but I fail. My love for my enemy fails. Then look to the one who loves perfect. Be comforted in His perfect love. Because in His love, you can and you will love those around you. You will love yourself because of His love. Amen. Let's give thanks. Our Lord, as we read in Psalm 18, to express our love first and foremost. I'm thankful that you love us so that we can love you. So that we can love our fellow brothers and sisters, our true neighbors. That we can love those who injure us, those who harm us, those who hate us, those who despise us. Instead of retaliation, You tell us to love. You tell us to feed. You tell us to care. Lord, You know that it's hard for us in our flesh to obey such commands. Especially when we feel overrun by temptation and the trial and our circumstances. But help us to look to You who has perfectly loved us that in this perfect love we can have a measure of love to those around us Lord I'm thankful that love is also not a feeling but that it's a commitment a commitment we choose to to participate in to be faithful in to be loyal to so in your great grace Help us, Lord Jesus, to fulfill the greatest command. We ask it now in your name. Amen.